Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Company. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI-audio's on-air community, and everyone's invited. And now, the big man himself, Kelly McDonald. Equipment woes. You know, sometimes we go to do the show and there's just something a little off. I had some problems yesterday. But it'll always take me back to when we first went on the air doing the show. First show, fantastic. Second show, all settled in and bang. I spill my beverage on the equipment right in the middle of the table there at main campus, right in that Studio 5 that we always talk about. And I'm calling for Matt to come in and save the day, thinking, well, I wonder if we're actually going to get a show in if I've shorted something out. And, of course, he saved the day. Um, Again, I'm picking on spilling because I remember in college being told, don't bring beverages near the equipment. And one student spilled a soda into the board. Nope. And then it was such a band. Like it was a, if you are caught with a beverage in there, dot, dot, dot. So how about for you? Okay. Yeah, I've spilled stuff everywhere. Uh, I didn't spill on my equipment, but just today I spilled pretty much all my entire smoothie. And the time frame in September, I believe, when I was coming into the office uh, every day, like into AMI headquarters studio, I spilled water my second day in and Paul Flalo who was working with us had to do what Matt did for you and just like help save the day then the <laughs> see water's easier the, to save the day not to take from okay. Paul don't get me wrong right. but when you no, talk no. about soda in a board or keyboards of, of apple juice like my one computer when I was in college uh, th- that's getting Ugh. getting immersed in it it's just yeah no go sugar yeah, I absolutely. sugar the evil it monster was, I think it was our um, AMI at the movies shoot, right? Where I left my laptop in the same pocket with a Gatorade and that was just, <gasps> it was unsavable. Open Did up. Did not get rescued. Yeah. And it's that sugar is just the worst enemy of electronics. Anyway, folks, You're I know so all of you out there are stopping and saying the same thing that I remember. Yeah. And we all do have those stories. And uh, today we were just, before we went on the air, discussing a few of those incidences, shall we say. But let's move forward because we're here, folks, to bring you a wonderful show. And we've got a great, a lot of great content, a lot of great conversations. So let's take a preview and see what's coming up on Kelly and Company. Holiday television programming. Well, folks, it's here. Greg David stops by with a guide on uh, when to check out all of your favorites. Ryan DeLahanti is bringing us a Christmas gift guide. This is for book lovers featuring works by authors with disabilities in Atlantic Canada. Plus on the program, Mary Mammolini, of course, we wait for it. She's bringing to us her holiday foodie gift guide, packed with suggestions of the savory, sweet, spicy, and drink variety. All listen in for that, ladies and gentlemen. Later on in the program, we'll get into that conversation during Hour 2 here on Kelly & Company. Here we go. Kyrie Irving will love this. Twitter is no longer enforcing its policy about misinformation about COVID-19. Twitter's online rules say it's no longer enforcing the COVID misleading information policy. A physician and leading purveyor of COVID misinformation tweeted that it's a victory for free speech. Paul Russo, social media researcher at Yeshiva University in New York, calls it an abdication of Twitter's duty to its users to protect them from harmful content. The virus is still spreading, killing hundreds a day in the U.S., says the latest federal data. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. I pick on Kyrie Irving, maybe not the best example, maybe... uh, Joe Rogan. 
Uh, how do you feel about this kind of thing happening? Is is it up to Twitter? Is it up to any of the social media platforms at this stage where we're at now to be involved in this kind of misinformation going out there? Yeah, I mean, technically, technically, we are talking about freedom of speech and we really are saying no to censorship, or I guess I will take my name out of it and say Twitter is saying no to censorship and saying, you know, whatever information or misinformation, whatever you want to post on Twitter, we will allow it. We're taking back those rules. And uh, it's sticky before Twitter made this statement, right? Like it's even if you look at the sense of um, social media platforms, uh, news platforms, but more specifically social media saying that they are going to control what you put on um, the platform and they're going to censor this information in some way or uh, state it as fact or opinion. There's still people who will be like, no, that's not fair. You shouldn't be doing that. We should be all, all be able to post whatever we want to post because it's freedom of expression. Yeah. Um, I think, though, one of that one of those other platforms we talked about, Kels can't remember the name of it right now, that says, yeah, but we will will still let you post whatever you want but others can post you know the opposite information or information uh that can make you retract your information as misinformation we're going to put all those in there too i think that kind of an approach is probably something we can take a closer look at because you're not having the argument or of should we or should we not you're actually saying here's this information here's that information now compare Okay. So I've grew up in that world of don't trust everything you read, don't trust everything that somebody tells you. You know, yeah. do your do your own research. Do look it up and do your homework on it and don't just be so ready to follow or to condemn or praise because so and so said so or it's written there in front of you. Uh, I know there's a, a certain amount of you know, responsibility on ourselves. But I also know we've become an age where people follow headlines and follow what's quickly there in front of them and not necessarily do the deep dive, go down the rabbit hole. And if you do, sometimes it takes you elsewhere. So I understand you can't constantly forever police it. I don't know what other Mm -hmm. things and people say, you know, those who have the arguments that the world is flat, you know, we just laugh that off because we know better. (laughs) You know, there's so much science that proves that we're still in that area with COVID where we don't know. We make a lot of, yeah, well, five days, you can go back to work. We don't know if that's right or wrong yet. We we can for every argument say that. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's not a, a yes or no. There are so many no. people who are legit in the middle of that spectrum saying, well, I don't know what to believe. Yeah. Yeah. And you can sit there and propose whatever and say, these are the, the reasons we think this or that. And there's going to be someone who can counter with their own. And counter arguments, I think, are, are good. Sometimes we stop mm-hmm. and say, look, you're obviously wrong. Why are you battling this? But again, I think we go a lot on the fact that yeah, but you know Kelly telling you the world's flat. Come on, come on. You know there's no reason to think that, no matter how many arguments he has. Rama, well, let's leave this and please get to the item that you have. We want to notify people of something going on that they could jump in on. Yep, it's called Heritage for All. And if you're interested in advocating for more accessibility in federally owned heritage properties, that's what this is specifically focusing on, you can talk about the and check out the uh, Heritage for All project. It aims to... in 
advanced and inform research between accessibility barriers and heritage requirements in federally owned heritage buildings within urban centers across Canada. This project is researching, proposing, and testing new ideas aimed at uh, developing accessible strategies for federally owned heritage properties like the Fort York Armory in Toronto and the Bank Springs Hotel in... I don't know where that is. Okay, well, you might know where that is. All right, so to learn more or to participate, you can head to heritageforall.ca. That's heritageforall.ca. Really interesting project and uh, I think an important one as well as we talk about preserving but also about accessibility. Exactly. And what we can and can't do and how much it costs or whatever to make buildings accessible, whether it's transit or buildings like the ones we're talking about. Coming up next on the program, it's Wednesday, so we'll visit with Grant Hardy. He'll join us from Vancouver with our health headlines here on Kelly and Company. Speaking of Twitter, how do you reach out to us? Well, AMI-audio can be found at the handle, at AMI-audio. That's at AMI-audio. You can follow along with what's happening on the program. You can see what's going on with all the other shows and interact. That's at AMI-audio on Twitter. Rumya available at AllRams on Twitter. At AllRams with a Z. I'm at AMI-Kelly-Mac. AMI-Kelly-Mac. Appreciate the follows. Feedback at AMI.ca. Maybe you've got a question about... AMI-TV, AMI-Tele, or AMI-Audio. Send it to the gang at Communications and Marketing Departments over there. Feedback at AMI.ca, and they'll be happy to help you out answering or passing it on. If you want to check out the Accessible Media Inc. Facebook page, that's available to you as well. You can like it if you choose, but certainly enjoy some of the great content placed out there and keep up with what's going on over here at Accessible Media Inc. Ramya Muthan, my co-host, she's at the home studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the home studio, London, Ontario. At his home studio, hanging out in Vancouver, ready to join us to talk health headlines at this point on a, on a Wednesday as we work our way through the week, is Grant Hardy, reporter. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. Hello, Kelly and Ramya. Well, I'm actually doing pretty good today, but uh, I'm going to try and put on my angry hat for a second. Here. Oh gosh, that's that because big red one. Talking, <laughs> you're you're just glad you're in Ontario and I'm in BC uh, because we're talking about how to channel your rage into a successful workout. I just realized that oh. that actually sounded vaguely oh. threatening, and I did not mean it to. So just, just <laughs> it's rage in the cage in the workout. Um, you know, the wrestlers would say that. We trust you won't harm yes. us. absolutely not um you know uh this is an article from self now the 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 feel good effects of rage workouts are uh, double pronged they can help you feel strong and capable during the actual session and then afterwards they can help you feel less uh incensed now we have biology to thank for making us feel so strong during our rage fueled workouts that's because anger can trigger the fight or flight response, making your body think it's preparing to flee a dangerous situation or fight an enemy, even if that enemy is just an annoying work email you received, uh, can really get those endorphins 
go, going, which spark a process sending more blood to your muscles, which gives your muscles extra energy in the form of oxygen. So your perception of how easy the workout is may be skewed. Um, however, though the science is pretty clear on why we feel so dominant during an anger field workout, it's a little less obvious exactly what's making us feel better afterwards. It certainly could be due to the powerful chemicals our brains release while working up a sweat, but researchers are also just saying that it may be the simple fact that you're getting your mind off of your anger. So with that in mind, we have some tips for a successful rage workout. Uh, consider what kind of movement we need. In many cases, this may be a favorite class, going to a class where you kind of know the overall drill, can perfect the distraction. When you're too upset to think clearly, having someone tell you what to do is helpful. And also ask yourself, what would satisfy me right now? And what will be easy, easy for me to get to? Uh, second tip, check your environment. So once you know what you feel like doing, make sure you can let loose in a way that won't bother anyone else, right? If you're going to be too, uh, you know, you, I don't know, noisier than usual, but you're in a gym or you have other people uh, around you, they recommend maybe putting on your intense angry playlist to groove out to instead over your earphones. Uh, they say don't skip your warm-up. This is really important, especially since your uh, primed to go body is going to be telling you otherwise, uh, but doing a warm-up is going to be uh, hard, but uh, it gradually increases your core temperature and blood flow to your muscles, which helps you physically and mentally prepare for your workout. And that's especially important, important if you go harder, faster, or longer than usual. Uh, and they also have a few other tips like to practice mindfulness, uh, practice your cool down routine as well. Make, make sure that you're cooling off appropriately and reevaluating as you're going through your workout. And also just to clarify, don't use working out as your only way to channel your rage. So that if you're injured or if there is, you know, something more seriously that you have to deal with, process some emotions, don't just use exercise as your only out outlook for those emotions. Uh, what do you guys think? Have you ever done a angry rage workouts or is it more of a, I don't know, kind of thing where you go into it calm from the start or more of a routine thing? Mm. I, well, I've done, you know, being annoyed about something, gone in and worked out. And I find generally it's just tiring. I, like you, you do the workout, but I would be so frustrated and lifting those weights and the weight of them felt like you're pushing back. It would make me angrier to where I would end up working out harder and then I'd end up being tireder. So it does definitely on in the long run either calms you down because you get so tired, but definitely I can totally relate to how you feel in the way of strength. You know, if you're angry, you do more, um, you grab on and, you know, do your lifting and, and lifts. I think where I've always gotten worried because I've always been told, don't get all nasty. Don't be banging the, 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 the weights or anything <laughs> like that. So there's always such a, yeah, but don't be angry because if you clank a weight or damage something, you might, or you lift, you might pull something or it, it's just, I've always been taught no good comes of it. So it's definitely been something that I've done, but tried to be very wary because I hear those voices in my head. You'll break any of that equipment. 
Yeah, it's yeah, I mean, ironic, isn't it? Yeah, go yeah. ahead. For sure. No, it, it really is. And ahead, the thing is, for me, I can't remember. A lot of people say, you know, think about how you're going to feel after, right? Like after your record, especially if you're kind of resentful going in or you're not really sure or you're eh, you're just not feeling it that day. Um, that's what I work with. Like the, not necessarily how I'm going to feel afterwards, but the rage of not wanting to work out while I'm working out. <laughs> so, so <laughs> afterwards I do feel much better. And um, I feel, you know, less stressed or more calm or just, just a little more clear uh, cognitively, but I don't, remember what why I brought that up was because I don't remember all that like the good feels when I'm going in for a workout I don't think okay I'm gonna feel so great afterwards remember how it makes you feel I don't remember any of that stuff but I go in thinking oh nobody wants to work out right now oh my gosh why did I sign up for this and then afterwards I feel much better so I don't think that that yeah, is what the article is highlighting at all but I'm just saying it's my experience <laughs> no it's, it's it's interesting your your experience I, I certainly think there's an element. It's just amazing how much our emotions are, are regulated by kind of our environment and activity. Like I've had those moments where I've been so hung up on something, you know, I just happened to go for a nice long walk for an unrelated reason. And I kind of come back and I realize, like, oh man, this is not actually a big deal at all yeah. or here's here's another yep. sort of way the, to the same so, clear your huh. head right the different things and we all yeah. know what things help us clear our head calm us down the kinds of things to think about to at least if you're not feeling great make you laugh oh that's that's exactly it awesome. um one other thing that's important when you're doing a workout is water and that leads into my next headline here from CTV News. Uh, we've all heard this uh, thing that you should be drinking eight glasses of water a day. Uh, it's actually yeah. a myth. So researchers looked at the water intake and patterns of more than 5,000 people across 26 countries and found that how much water our bodies actually require depends on a myriad of factors, including environment, health, pregnancy, and age. And according to the study, those with less ability to grab a glass of water on a whim may be the ones who need it the most. So this was published in the uh, peer-reviewed journal Science last week, and it found that the daily average of optimal water consumption ranges from between one liter per day and six liters per day. That's huge discrepancy, that huge. depending on the person. <laughs> wow, that's a lot. <laughs> um yeah, and that makes pinpointing a guideline really difficult. There are also outliers, too, and that turned out to be really difficult. Uh, the variation means that pointing to one average doesn't tell you much. Uh, in order to get a broad sample of water turnover, more than 90 researchers worked together to collect data on 5,600 people ranging from 8 days to 96 years old, they measured water turnover by having participants drink an amount of water that contains specific trackable hydrogen and oxygen isotopes, no different from any other drinkable water, but distinguishable on the atomic level within a simple, uh, within a sample of urine. If you uh, measure uh, the rate at which a person is eliminating those stable isotopes through their urine over the course of a week, the hydrogen isotope can tell you how much water they're replacing 
and the elimination of the oxygen isotope can tell you how many calories they are burning. So that's how they compared all that data. And interestingly, they found that people in more poor areas, uh, poor countries with the least access to safe drinkable water, obviously it's not uh, as easy as just turning on the tap in most places in the world. Uh, those people often end up being in hotter temperatures. They're mm -hmm. doing more manual labor. They're often the people who are suffering the most because they actually uh, have the greatest water turnover and would require the most water. Um, so some of those conclusions are, I mean, not great, but it does uh, sort of at least address the question that this eight glass of the water rule is really a myth. I mean, how could it not be, right? We don't all have a set food menu. No, and conditions and the other menu. things we do. I'm a, I'm a big coffee person early in the day, and I'm trying to back that off a bit because I don't, I'm not a big water drinker in the morning. So I've been trying to balance it out, make sure that I have what I'm supposed to eat the rest of the day. I love my water, but I've heard this myth and thought, uh-oh, uh-oh, that's all I need. Is it just to be going into cells and puffing me out or retaining water and being a problem unless I'm burning it off enough? But that's a fantastic stat. One liter versus those who might need six based on all those very understandable, Ramya, um, reasons. Yeah, most definitely. I, I, I really do think even if you consider like how much water you should drink as a baseline, um, that baseline can be different for different people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Are you a water I, drinker, I, Grant? I'm, I, you know what? <laughs> I am, but the older I get, the more I have to remember to drink water. But I, I got to tell you, I mm. keep waiting for this article that says it's okay to slam back as much coffee as I drink during the day. <laughs> you and me both, Kelly. And it still yes. hasn't come up yet. I when we when we had a Vancouver bureau, they're they're like, oh, you can drink as much coffee as you want, Grant. There's there's no limit. And I go, okay, th this is how much I'm drinking. What? <laughs> oh yeah, well, I think you've just found our limit. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you do feel it with coffee, I find, and a lot of it is the dehydrating. Or as they say, I've learned about the reheating it later, right? Throw it in the microwave and people say, oh my gosh, that's not good. And I'm like, what? You know, and, and I've noticed little weird side effects. So I've said to myself, I, self, got to cut back a bit on that. But I've always and luckily enough liked the taste of water. So I've always been been good with that. But then I this comes up, eight glasses is what you should. Oh, that might be too much. What? So very interesting. I mean, Grant, it's reasonable and it's logical that, no, you just can't go crazy and do this. Or on the other hand, you can't deprive your body of it. And we had this discussion with our nutritionist, Julia Carantius, one day uh, about the making sure what you do, you able, you're able to replenish that water. Yeah, exactly. Um, can I just point out something you said about reheating in the microwave? Just a really quick PSA uh, announcement. If you're totally blind like I am, check the labels of all the containers and bottles and this and that that you use. Because I tell you what, there are things, I reheating coffee in the microwave is okay if it's in a cup, but I actually didn't realize until someone pointed it out to me that you're not supposed to reheat those, uh, you know, oh, gosh. caps because yeah. it's, oh, no, no. Just, yeah. it's, it's got plastic in yeah, it. Yeah, and yep. obviously, 
you guys know there's some water bottles you're not supposed to reuse. Yeah, uh, there's so- a lot of that stuff, Grant. We'll, we'll get into that sometime. We've got to run, man, but definitely it's its own subject of its own. Grant Hardy talking health headlines with us. We'll be back. Greg David talks TV in a moment. Enjoy AMI-audio right from your TV, folks. Bell customers, guys, look for us over on Channel 49, please. And Kojiko, Ontario, you guys can find us on Channel 596. Visit AMI.ca slash audio for a list of channel locations in your area. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald. We're the hosts of Kelly & Company. Thanks for being with us. It's time to bring Greg David in. Uh, we're going to talk a little TV with Greg. Of course, he's our communications specialist over here at ami uh, Ramya, it's time for the ego to, to get boosted a little bit. Greg's got some really interesting mm-hmm. news for us. If you would, Greg, start by telling us about the recognition AMI received last night. Yes, absolutely. This is this is great news, and I think it's probably breaking news, for the, certainly for the folks at Kelly & Company. We were able to share this information earlier today with the folks at, at AMI. Um, AMI received an award last night from the American Council of the Blind. They gave out their uh, second annual audio description award winners last night in Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, AMI received the award for Outstanding Achievement in International Media. And it was prefaced with a little bit of a, of a just an outline to those people that were live streaming the event. All of the things that AMI does for um, uh, the, the blind, partially sighted and disability community here in Canada with regard to the programming that we create and the fact that we make them fully accessible. Um, of course, you guys know that, uh, that we do it through integrated described video on the programs that we create and through described video on the programming that we purchase and broadcast on AMI-tv. So uh, an exciting night and we're in good company because the audio description People's Choice Award went to the show Obi-Wan Kenobi, which we've spoken about. I think we may have talked about it. Airs on Disney Plus and Ewan McGregor sent in uh, a thank you message. So we're in very good company. Anytime that AMI and Ewan McGregor can be mentioned in the same sentence is an exciting time. <laughs> oh, you're yeah, laughing. I mean, the recognition is fantastic, right? Because we do the work the day mm-hmm. in and day out. Um, but then when we get the recognition this way, it is, a, it's a good applaud. It really is, especially with a group like the American Council of the Blind. They're, uh, they've are they been around for more than 60 years, and they've become a leader in the national, in national, state, local, and even international advocacy efforts. So really, really great that the American Council of the Blind um, recognizes us, and, and a really proud day for AMI. I mean, it just cements that what we're doing is, is the right thing. We don't need awards to tell us that, but it is nice every once in a while to be recognized for our work. Well, flattering, because yeah. around the world, uh, being the first network to do mm-hmm. what we do, um, and having that available description to people and, and so many people who have said via or, you know, different locations in the world and have opportunity to have met different people who have come toured our facility or indulged in the content and said, wow, we need this back home. Yep. So really yep. wonderful. Congratulations to everybody to, who's made this possible in the work that the company does. And a big thank you to them for, for uh, awarding it to us mm-hmm. for that, that recognition, Greg. 
With snow on the ground in some parts of the uh, country, in Canada and in the U.S., sir, and also, of course, Thanksgiving over, it means time for holiday programming. So when can people start checking out classic favorites like Santa Claus is Coming to Town or Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas and so on? Yeah, you know, I want to just preface this because some of the dates, I just got some breaking news. Speaking of breaking news, more breaking news earlier uh, this afternoon, CTV sent out their holiday schedule. So in a couple of places, I'm going to inject some new information. And uh, we just found this out that the original Santa Claus parade is going to be kicking off this Saturday, December the 3rd at 7 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on CTV. So that was filmed a few weeks ago in downtown Toronto. And uh, it's going to be on. And it has quickly become a classic like the other two shows that I'm going to talk about. So Santa Claus Parade, this Saturday, December the 3rd at 7 p.m. Eastern and Pacific on CTV. Um, The classic Rankin and Bass creation, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, airs on Thursday, December the 8th on ABC, and then again, closer to Christmas, on Tuesday, December the 20th. And this is the classic. Like, when people talk to me about my favorite holiday programming, it's always the Rankin and Bass programs, whether it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Santa Claus is Coming to Town, where they're using little, um, you know, models and moving them around. Um, This one, in particular, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, is about a postman who answers some of the most common questions about Santa Claus, and he tells viewers about a baby named Chris who is raised by a family of elf toy makers named Kringle. And when Chris grows up, he wants to deliver toys to the children of Sombertown. But of course, the mayor of that town is too mean to let that happen. And to make things worse, on his quest to do this, the Winter Warlock is trying to stop uh, Chris Kringle from making his way to Sombertown. So... Uh, you know, just as I was telling you the description of this classic, I was remembering some of the funny moments and some of the songs in it as well. So if you're a fan of that one, check it out on December the 8th on ABC or December the 20th also on ABC. Uh, and then Dr. Okay. Seuss's. Yeah, Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Another classic airs Friday, December the 23rd on NBC. And this is with Boris Karloff narrating the animated tale about the Grinch who decides to dress up as Santa and steal the Christmas decorations, gifts, and feast from the people of Whoville. Spoiler alert, he doesn't ruin Christmas. So that's the Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Again, that's Friday, December the 23rd on NBC. Okay, How long's the couch? How long's the couch you won't touch you with? A thirty-nine is it a thirty-nine foot couch or do you remember, Greg? I expect uh, I you to have this memorized. No, I remember his heart um growing uh three sizes that day or ten sizes that day. I remember yeah. it it bursting the edges of the magnifying glass was being shown over his chest. And I always felt badly for the dog that was forced to pull that sled and he had that little stick on his head that was supposed to be like an antler. That's what I remember about Grinch. <laughs> That's great. That is great. I love the songs. I've always thought that deep voice when I was a kid, the, the singing the songs was just tremendous for me and always in some of the combos they made up. Just wonderful. Sorry, Rum, go ahead. No problem. I was just going to say that there's a lot of classic movies as well that people uh, love to check out and revisit during the holidays. Like It's a Wonderful Life reminds mm-hmm. me of our, our uh, Christmas play, Once mm-hmm. Upon a Time. So tell us more about those. Sure, yeah. So It's a Wonderful Life is going to be broadcast on Saturday, December the 24th on NBC. So that's Christmas Eve. Uh, this is the classic Frank Capra movie, movie excuse me, starring Jimmy Stewart. 
where an angel is sent down from heaven to help a desperately frustrated businessman by showing him what his life would have been like if he had never existed. It is a, obviously, it's a holiday classic that people love. Um, it wasn't that well-received when it first came out, but now that it's on television, it's quickly become a holiday staple for, for people. And um, with CTV's schedule being sent out, I can let you know that the classic Miracle on 40... Miracle on 34th Street is being broadcast December the 17th on CTV, and A Christmas Carol is going to be broadcast on December the 23rd on CTV. So if you're a fan of either of those uh, Christmas movies, that's where you can find them. Ah, picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. Uh, music specials starring celebrities have really taken off, Greg, uh, in the, especially in the past uh, several years. I hear Dolly Parton has one coming up. Yeah, it turns out she's got more than one, but we'll get to we'll get to that in a second because uh, musical specials actually kick off tonight with Kelly Clarkson presents When Christmas Comes Around, and that's on NBC. And then it's Dolly Parton's Mountain Magic Christmas. It is a repeat. That's going to be on NBC on Thursday, December the first. That's followed up by. A very Backstreet holiday, which is going to be on Friday, December the 14th on ABC. <laughs> and that's with the Backstreet Boys singing songs from their brand new holiday album, along with classic hits and celebrating the most wonderful time of the year. And then we get into Mariah Carey with Merry Christmas to All, which airs Tuesday, December the 20th on NBC. And that's something she's in the middle of a Christmas tour um, across uh, North America. And this was filmed at New York's Madison Square Garden. And she is going to be performing a selection of her festive holiday hits, including everybody's favorite, All I Want for Christmas is You. And then we mentioned, uh, Kelly, you mentioned Dolly Parton. She's back with a new musical special on Friday, December the 23rd. It's called Dolly Parton's Christmas of Many Colors, Circle of Love. And Dolly is helping her uncle Billy begin to see that her her voice and talent might extend beyond rural Tennessee. Um, this is kind of a, a semi-autobiographical um, special that's going to be uh, that this uh, Christmas of Many Colors, Circle of Love is. And this is the sequel to the original Dolly Parton's Code of Many Colors, which is being broadcast on December the 26th on NBC. And that's all about her upbringing in 1955 as her family struggles to live in Tennessee's Great Smoky Mountains. Uh, it uh, touches on love and faith and uh, and her career. So, yeah, at least two projects from Dolly Parton coming up over the holidays. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then along with all the other stuff you can watch from her past, she's really busy on our screens. Uh, does AMI have any programs, holiday programs planned? Yeah, we absolutely do. We're going to be rebroadcasting the three holiday-themed Murdoch Mysteries episodes that have become family favorites. Murdoch Mysteries, A Very Murdoch Christmas, will be on Sunday, December the 24th. The Murdoch Mysteries, Once Upon a Murdoch Christmas, will be on Sunday, December the 11th. And then the last one, Murdoch Mysteries, Once Upon a Murdoch Christmas, will be broadcast Sunday, December the 11th. And the Jim Carrey feature film, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, will be on AMI-TV on Sunday, December the 18th, and Saturday, December the 24th. Always love the depictions of, um, you know, the Christmas from the 1800s. Going into mm -hmm. the early 1900s, things were so different because they didn't have the electrics, let's say, or the, the all the things that we're so used to that make up our Christmas, the lights, but they still became the thing to have. Christmas lights, candles, whatever it was to feel that way. Christmas trees and what we know as the institution of Christmas that we say, oh, wow. But so far back then, 
the, the same things were happening. And I always love when something like Murdoch Mysteries can depict that for us to give us that idea. Yeah, for me, it was the black and white um, version of uh, of Scrooge um, with Alistair Sim. Um, that was a favorite. That's a favorite movie of my mom's. And so whenever I think about that, yeah, like that's all the classic things: um, candles, mistletoe, um, holly. Uh, you know, the Christmas tree. The you know the big turkey on Christmas Day, or the goose in this case. Um, those are the things that kind of established for me as a kid those those things that you expect on Christmas. You know, with regard to your family and everything, but you have meals and and gift giving and that type of thing. So for me, it's always been that black and white movie that cemented for me. Yeah, these are the things that you do during the holidays. And it's interesting because they weren't such a far cry from if you figure what they saw then as Christmas and what mm-hmm. going back, to, you're looking at turn of the century kind of style. And mm-hmm. even though that's, of course, when it takes place, but the amazing stuff they could get for doing a film like that back then, uh, because it was so really relatively recent history. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Ramya, any of those your favorites? Like, is there is there a favorite movie that or or, um, or TV special that you make sure that you tune into every holiday? Not necessarily, but I do enjoy the Christmas specials when they come around. I'm talking about like episodes of TV shows, right? Okay. And yeah. the ones that I can think of off the top of my head are like Friends and um, sorry, I'm losing my thought. Uh, Gilmore Girls and. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, okay? So though Friends and Fresh Prince of Bel-Air are the two shows that I really grew up watching a lot of. Like, I would binge and binge and binge and then watch them over and over again. So anytime any holiday comes around, Thanksgiving, Christmas specifically, um, the the repeats of those episodes are super fun. And then, you know, now Big Bang Theory and all mm-hmm. these other ones. For some reason, sitcoms I find to be very entertaining with the episodes and just good laughs. But the Maybe. movies, no. Any of those music any of those. Uh, specials grab either of you? Not me. No. Uh, I was actually surprised in putting this list together how many there are. Like, clearly, yeah. I'm missing out on a bunch of them, but no. I think they're uh, always well, wise, Greg. <laughs> I, I think so. I think it's the fact that I really can't sing, maybe, is why I don't watch, watch I, these. I just Rami, think what you missed miss the Brady you, Bunch yeah. one. <laughs> I, I love Dolly Parton, but I've watched none of these. Okay, no, will you, will, stop it. What about the back? You heard me laugh when you said that? that, right? No, no. I knew it would get a chuckle. I, mean, I think Greg's, Kelly will. Greg's pining away <laughs> for the old Brady Bunch Christmas ones that they did in the 70s. That's what it is. Wow, folks, we're out of here. We'll be right back. We thank Greg David for joining us every other Wednesday talking everything television. Up next, Ryan Delahanty. He'll bring us Christmas ideas for book lovers featuring authors with disabilities from Atlantic Canada. Catch the Pulse this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m. Eastern time, folks. And that's out there Pacific, of course, time. I think I said Eastern, didn't I? Pacific time. This week on the program, Marcy, Marcy Yale, National President of the Alliance for the Equality of Blind Canadians, and Keenan Weller, co-leader of Live Work Play, preview the 6th Annual International Day of Persons with Disabilities Conference, scheduled for December 3rd. That's The Pulse this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time here on AMI-audio, available off of your favorite podcast platform and YouTube. Ramya Mudan, Kelly McDonald, host of the show. 
Let's get into our regional content report. We're checking in Wednesdays and Fridays with our colleagues. Ryan Dillahunty is here. He's our content development specialist in Halifax. And Ryan, we got something special today because it's a gift idea list for book lovers, which is amazing. So these all come from authors with disabilities in Atlantic Canada. So I'm very excited to dig into the list and, of course, the stories behind the choices as well. Can we start with the joke book from a seven-year-old boy in New Brunswick that was written to spread joy and autism awareness? These books over the last month or two and thought, uh, what a great uh, opportunity to maybe uh, get them in some uh, stockings and under the tree for some people. Yeah. And uh, you can get these wherever you are in Canada, but they all originate here in Atlantic Canada. So the joke book is by uh, Stalin Venator, apologies if I mispronounced that, who is a seven-year-old in Oromocto whose favorite hobby is to make others laugh. And uh, when he wasn't quite two years old, he was initially diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. And though he doesn't speak, he's always been known as a trickster in the family, playing practical jokes on siblings, parents, uh, therapists, etc. So over the past two years, Stalin has gotten in the habit of using his iPad to communicate jokes on Facebook each week. His mother had also started a blog called Stalin's Way to share the family's journey with Stalin as his life progressed with autism and the health issues that came alongside the condition. They found humor was a great way to connect with people, and the blog has attracted people from around the world, including Australia, the UK, the US, uh, who often send Stalin jokes and then tune in each week to hear him tell them. And uh, he's very much into it, practicing all week, uh, ready to nail the punchlines. Uh, so they decided to publish a joke book titled Jokes Are For Everyone to spread awareness about his condition and share some of his favorite puns. And uh, Stalin is said to have helped with every aspect of the book's development, from choosing the color of the book and the art graphics inside. Wow. Oh, I think that's just amazing. And I, I think whether you're delivering jokes or whether you're retaining them, which is something I have trouble with doing, um, it, it makes it so much fun and making people laugh, making people happy, especially when you're trying to promote awareness and, and maybe do a little fundraising at the same time, Ryan. Beautiful. Where can folks find the book? So uh, it's uh, Jokes Are For Everyone from Stalin's Way. Uh, on Amazon, I think they're selling the large print paperback for about $7.26 or $3.59 for the Kindle edition. And then the easiest way to find it beyond Amazon is to visit their website, stalinsway.com. So that's S-T-A-L-E-N-S-W-A-Y.com or facebook.com slash stalinsway. Okay, Amazing. So next on the list is a cookbook from New Brunswick that preserves recipes uh, and stories as well from people with dementia. I'm really loving the idea of this. Yeah, this one's really cool. Uh, very appropriately titled Memories from the Kitchen. It's a special collection of recipes and memoirs, or sorry, memories from people living with dementia, their care partners, and members of the community. Uh, this is the latest holiday campaign from the Alzheimer's Society, who always try to do something special for their clients and the community at large. And uh, they wanted to celebrate family gatherings, creating memories. Uh, so Marie-Paul LeBlanc, a self-proclaimed foodie and the philanthropy coordinator for the 
Alzheimer's Society of New Brunswick, uh, thought that a cookbook was the perfect way to preserve those cherished memories. They reached out to the community for submissions, and most of the recipes have notes from the families or caregivers sharing the stories behind the dishes. LeBlanc said they worked hard designing the book to be very dementia-friendly, and that dementia-friendly tips for the kitchen are also included. And with over 12,000 New Brunswickers living with Alzheimer's or another form of dementia, uh, they really found almost every Everyone in the province and beyond uh, is really touched and affected by the disease. And so by purchasing memories from the kitchen, you're helping to ensure support is available to them and that they don't, do not have to face the dementia journey alone. So the book is available on their website with each purchase of the $20 book going to support the Alzheimer's Society of New Brunswick. And you can find that book and some of their other offerings uh, website, www.asnbstore.ca. So wow. Autism Society. Alzheimer's Society, New Brunswick store.ca. Since it's such great contributions from people and something like this. And, you know, again, we always worry, Ryan, about, hey, that recipe that I really wish I had got off mom or, mm-hmm. or dad. Like, you know, you, you don't want them lost. And these are people who would attest to being able to, man, it'd be nice to pass certain things on. And everybody thinks about that, that I, I don't want to lose out. And what better way is some of these these gems that would be in a recipe book like this? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely have those same thoughts with uh, my Nona and how unique her lasagna and a lot of her other recipes are. So I know my uh, my mom's put a lot of effort into, she can't quite do them the same way. There's some creative substitutions. Chicken hearts are hard to find these days, I guess. But uh, it is it is so important. It means so much to, to the family. That's amazing. It really is. And and you want so much of this stuff so preserved and what a great way to, to raise money and definitely to promote, again, awareness. So our final book is from a woman in Toronto, Nova Scotia, who used eye gaze technology to write a memoir about living with ALS. What can you tell us about this one, Ryan? Uh, this one was written up in the Halifax Examiner locally, so there's a lot more detail there. Uh, but basically, back in September, uh, Angela Parker Brown, a 50-year-old single mother with ALS, hosted an official book launch event from the front lawn of her home, which is located on the island, which is one of three historic black communities in Truro. The book is called Writing With My Eyes, Staying Alive While Dying. In the book's intro, Parker Brown explains how she uses both an eye-gazing program and device uh, to communicate and write with her eyes. Um, The book, Writing With My Eyes, was published by Pottersfield Press, whose publisher, Leslie Choice, um, taught Parker Brown English in the transition year program at Dalhousie University decades earlier. Uh, He's quite famous as a local surf poet uh, and a beloved uh, professor at Dal. And so Choice had told the Halifax Examiner, uh, she sent this thing and it was a beautiful manuscript, very, very spirited, powerful book. And given the circumstances, we sort of got right on it and decided to publish it. And so you can find the book uh, by visiting the publisher online, which is uh, Pottersfield Press. Dot com uh, or check out Nimbus Publishing. So that's N-I-M-B-U-S dot C-A. Uh, books available, you know, sort of direct from the publisher distributor on those websites, or uh, you can find it on Amazon or with your local bookstore as well. Check with them. Fantastic. Such oh. an go, go ahead, intimate, Ron. I was just going to say, you know, anybody who writes a book, their story specifically, and then publishes out. It's so intimate. It's such an intimate journey that you're taking along with this person. And um, honestly, in, in this scenario, I feel like it's double 
You know, it, mm-hmm. it's so powerful to think that this person said, I'm going to take this opportunity to write and to share that with people, to share my journey and um, everything that's going on and in the, the approach of it too, right? Like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so yeah, speechless I think at, a lot of- at how much goes into it. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, for a lot of authors, aspiring authors, it's easy to get discouraged and to kind of abandon the project. Yes. And so to have to, uh, you know, take those extra steps and work through those barriers, you know, it definitely speaks a lot to, uh, you know, determination and the importance of getting that story shared. So it's, uh, you know, great to see it's come to fruition and, you know, people can uh, take part in it and wrap it up for under the mm-hmm. tree as well and share it with, uh, I think, a lot of people that would really appreciate, uh, you know, the stories involved. Yeah, not only are we learning about the person's story, but we're learning about the process and how it was done, what it took to actually write this book. Uh, yeah, like, wow, this list has been incredible. So thank you so much for sharing all that with us. But one more thing, if we can squeeze it in uh, with the few moments that we have, can you highlight the holiday musical coming up in Halifax with live description for the blind and partially sighted community? So last update I'd heard on this as of late last week, uh, Neptune Theater's Elf the Musical still had about 20 seats available specifically for the blind and partially sighted community. Of course, based nice. on the 2003 film with Will Ferrell and James Caan, Elf the Musical's The Story of Buddy. Probably don't need to recap the plot beyond there, but I think everybody's in for a good time. And so the uh, this performance is coming up on December 16th at 7.30 p.m. at uh, Neptune Theater, our primary you know, theater company in Halifax, and will feature live audio description from Cat Germain. And they do ask that when ordering your ticket, you identify that you wish to have the audio description and also encourage people uh, wanting the description to arrive at the performance at least 45 minutes early to ensure you get the full stage description, which they offer before the production starts. And if you have an Easter Seals access card, you will have your guide enter free of charge as well. And so uh, you can find them online. Probably the easier way to do this, especially to uh, earmark that uh, described ticket, would be to call Neptune directly at 902-429-7070. And uh, the tickets are the standard prices, depending on your seat, ranging from about $45 to $90. Fantastic. We covered so much today, Ryan. Thank you so much for your time and for digging up all this info for us. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully I'll uh, see you both soon. Yep, you will. Ryan Dillahunty, our content development specialist in Halifax, giving us, uh, well, starting off with that list of three incredible books to check out by authors with disabilities and then the play if you have it. What a fantastic list. And yeah, really incredible and such amazing work. So folks, you may want to get those under your Christmas tree or someone else's for sure. Up next in the following hour here on Kelly and Company, we chat with a dancer and choreographer, Alexandra Spicy Landay, telling us about Inward, a unique dance experience taking place this Friday and Saturday at the Harbour Front Theatre in Toronto. Plus, Mary Mamaliti brings us her holiday food guide, foodie guide. And up next, Bill Shackleton. He joins us for the Wednesday edition of The Buzz. Thanks for riding along with us. The second hour of Kelly and Company is now 
beginning. Thank you. Appreciate it. Wherever you're listening and around the world to the program, maybe you're also hanging out on your computer at work at AMI.ca, live streaming the program, or you're using OOTunes or the Radio Player Canada app, wonderful apps in which to have us on when we do the live show. Remember, there's repeats. 10 p.m. Eastern and 6 a.m. in the morning, you can also check out. But remember those apps. Get them downloaded to your smart device, OOTunes, and the Radio Player Canada app, or just check us out at ami.ca and stream the program or listen to the podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald, Ramya Muthan, my co-host. She's at the Home Studio in Toronto. i at the Home Studio in London, Ontario. Visiting with us as he starts his week with us, Bill Shackleton. We call the segment The Buzz. He's with us through Friday uh, on the, well, usually through Friday, but Margaret's filling in for you this Friday, Billy. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being back and I uh, hope you're doing well. Doing good, doing good. Um, cruising along. Just awesome. Waiting December, December 1st is tomorrow, right? So, oh boy, goodness. we're moving, we're getting close. It's, it, seem, it seems to me that it's coming up fast this year. This year went really fast, right? And yeah. I know people were saying that during the pandemic. They felt things were, as much as they were, we'd say, oh my gosh, I'm stuck in. I can't do this. Everything's dragging. Oh my goodness, it's already May. It's already August. Oh my goodness, it's already Christmas. It seemed to be what people said. But this year truly went faster. Yeah, and actually we do have a Christmas article coming up regarding Santa Claus. Um, this first one is interesting. Okay, No sir. more mad, yeah, no more mad cow disease. Um Blood donors can give again. So basically, here's the situation. If you were visiting or if you were a war, a war veteran, if you were stationed in or visited Ireland, England, or France between 1980 and 2001, you they were afraid that you contracted mad cow disease, which was, which was very bad. Um, so now they've apparently they've lifted the ban in the U.S., and there's no mad cow disease, but they were, I guess it was just a precautionary thing. Um, and they need you and blood donors or, or blood donors uh, agencies are looking for people that had visited those countries during those dates to donate. And they really needed, I think, I think the article said 47% of, of, of blood donations come from war veterans who Let's face it, they do want to donate, and they wanted to, but they couldn't. But now, fortunately, they can. That's tremendous. Uh, it, it really yeah. is because, I mean, as it is, Bill, we know there is a real issue of donation around the world of blood. Oh, uh, there is. You know, and, and it's needed. Whole blood is needed. So when you, when you get news like this, I, it's like having more breathing room. Yeah, um, and and I wasn't able to find a Canadian angle, but uh, yeah, it's we need <clears throat> we need people like that to come forward, and it's not as if you didn't you don't want to come forward, you couldn't have, and yeah, the news like this is good. Well, and we have other health concerns that prohibit people from being able to. Yeah, and I'm sure for people who have always given, um, maybe come down with a health condition where they they can't. That's got to be really tough to swallow and say, well, I can't do that anymore, especially when you know the, the small number of the population that gives, that can give. Yeah. Awesome. Next item, sir. Well, this next one, as I told you about a Christmas article, Santa's back in town with inflation and inclusion on his mind. I kind of like this article. From the Associated Press, there's one part of it, the article that I don't particularly agree with, but I'll get into that. 
So another sign that we're basically seeing the pandemic in the rearview mirror is Santa's back. And essentially, some of the agencies are, well, there's no more plastic petitions anymore. Um, some of the agencies are, are, are limiting um, lap visits. Some are, some aren't. Some Santas are, uh, you know, they can wear masks, or some of them don't have to, some of them do. I like the idea. There's one thing that I don't particularly like is that one of the agencies have now of course I'm all for inclusion and I think we most of us are in are in favor of this. One of the things that have ha- that is, has happened is that um agencies are recruiting Asian and Santas of color um because as they should, right? And I, I think you would agree. Um, to fit the demographics, that that's that that's a good thing. Now, the one thing is that there is an agency that has a Santa on speed dial, but it's a woman, and 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 basically, I mean, the idea of having a Santa as a woman on speed dial, and apparently the kids don't get fooled. I think we're going too far with why would you have a Santa disguised as a woman? I don't like that idea. I like inclusion. So hold up. Just to clarify, it's Santa pretending to be a woman, played by a woman, or is it a woman being Santa? (laughs) um, I I think it's a woman pretending to be Santa is what it is. Okay, so it's a woman playing Santa, the character of Santa. Yeah, yeah. I see. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Carry on. So I was, um, as I say, I, I think we've come too far. I love inclusion, but when you... When you you know you you're when you're a woman playing Santa Claus, um, why can't you just be Mrs. Santa Claus? I'm not sure. I think we've come too far. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting controversy because obviously Santa's male, but at one point we were also saying, if you're not white, you can't be Santa, right? Like if you if you Santa's white, and therefore if you're not going to be a white Santa, then you're not Santa. And that was the the question at one point. And now we're saying, yeah. well, I mean, why can't there be a black Santa or an Asian Santa or all these other, you know, diverse Santas? And so <laughs> the next question is, well, why can't Santa be a woman? So really, yeah. is it that, you know, can nobody... Can people play Santa that doesn't represent the traditional way that we view Santa Claus? Or are we saying respect Santa for the character that he is and can only be played by a man? I don't know. Well, I, I don't know what the right I, answer is. I, 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 and maybe it's my conservatism or whatever. I think Santa should only be, I mean, in traditional, he was traditional. He was a man. And I, sure. I love the idea of that, but I, I just Santa should be, I think, played by a man, and I maybe get shot down or whatever. But I think Santa is, you know, should be played by a man. I'm sorry. Yeah, it, I it, it's it, interesting because we never really get into the conversations if Santa is is male or female. We always assume he's always been male, and Mrs. Claus is his wife, and he has a wife, and she's yeah. Mrs. Claus. Yeah. yeah, and if we mm-hmm. change things traditionally, um. 
I, I understand, Bill, where you're coming. I'm not. I am not. I understand inclusive, and I think Ramya, your point uh, about racial, we we are at that point definitely where it shouldn't matter where you are around the world, um, who's playing Santa. But we would scream if, well, what the heck, you know? Unless it's at a, a school play, having a ten year old, you know, playing Santa, right? We'd say, well, that's, that's not right. And He's not a kid. The same thing with the body type, with right? Yeah. It's the same thing with the body type. For well, sure. Santa's got to be big. Why can a not big person play Santa? Right? Or all and I the think above. we've got but, past that. I mean, the whole pillow too. and the, I think we've said, hey, come on. Okay. Exactly. So now the question is this, the one on the table. Can a woman play Santa? And you know what? Sometimes I think of it as a take on Santa. Are we um, fighting the traditional Santa or are we just saying, okay, it's art. It's what it is. It's 2022. Maybe there can be a take on Santa that is played by a woman. Yeah. You know, like still respecting everybody's opinion on traditional Santa Claus, but saying artistically, maybe we can have a woman play Santa. And I think the problem is artistically, you certainly can. If you're doing a show, doing something like that, where I think we get confused is Santa steps outside of the theater, outside of the movie screen, and our children line up to go see Santa. And I think that's where, again, you and I know, all right, but that's somebody, you know, assisting Santa. You know, playing playing that role of assisting, you know, the the actual Mr. Yeah. Claus. Of course, we know it's not the real Santa the Claus. Question, so therefore, the then assistant maybe we get into the question like be. Halloween, where can Santa exist anymore? Can Halloween exist anymore? Like with all the issues and challenges we're having these days with keeping Halloween up, can it really move on to the next generation? Well, can Santa? Well, well, <clears throat> in the, the only mall, thing I was gonna. Billy's going to say, I as, as I do, those are Santa's like assistants. Like if Santa's really not who he used to be, right? He's now every color, every shape, every size, every gender. Is Santa? Are those we are Santa's be assistants. Okay with that, Certainly. Or are we saying, well, Santa, no Santa doesn't mind. Santa's hired these folks to <laughs> to act go. in his place. Uh, the only thing I was oh. going to say because kid, because kids are involved and in, and in, you know what I mean. Like it's, I, I guess. I guess I'm a traditionalist. I mean, kids are kids in Santa go and, and and you know I'm I'm so used to visiting Santa Claus as as a male. You know what I mean, right? Does so, it confuse kids, you know, Bill? And that's okay. I don't know. I wonder, I don't know whether it does okay. or not. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It, it. The thing is, the thing that we have to not do is put our own biases on somebody else right like it, it's okay if you want to see Santa the way that you grew up seeing Santa. That's right. But Changes are here. Yeah, they are. Well, I, I, and, yeah. and in all honesty, we don't know other circumstances as we see in film, movies, and that where Santas are depicted in different ways, do different things than the Santa that we knew. Absolutely. You know, as as yeah. a child, the Santa that I you know have grown up with, and um, and I think we see that in as you said, Ramya, the description. Does he always have to be a big person? Does she always have to be a big person? Does you know does does the color of the skin? No, of course, none of that matters. So therefore, if it doesn't matter, it shouldn't prohibit anyone acting in the role of From Santa. Santa. Uh huh. Yep. Uh huh. Um, Shaq, we don't have enough time for your last one. We'll save it to tomorrow or whenever you want to bring this it around. A really again. good one though. Worth every yeah, minute. well, it's Bob Marley is tomorrow, and and there's a new exhibit coming okay. up. It, actually, it's oh, been cool. in London, and and now it's in Toronto, and now it's coming to L.A. So, wow, it's been around, pal. Yeah. Thanks, Billy. Oh yeah. All right. Join us a lot. 
tomorrow as Bill rejoins us for the next edition of The Buzz here on Kelly and Company. Coming up next, we talk with dancer and choreographer Alexandra Spicy Landre, telling us about a new, uh, sorry, in word, a unique dance experience taking place this Friday and Saturday at the Harbourfront Centre Theatre in Toronto. That conversation momentarily. put a lot of emphasis on the time live time for the show and the repeats a while ago but in all fairness folks i know you, you can't always catch the live show or one of the repeats here on ami audio or maybe that's not your preference but i know what is the podcast simply subscribe using your favorite podcatcher and you can listen to the show at your convenience you can binge it if you want you can listen to the segments that you prefer listening to the contributors or discussions that have happened on the program parceled out and available to you or you can listen to the complete Kelly and Company podcast experience. Whatever way you enjoy the show, check it out via your favorite podcast platform, and we appreciate your time and patronage with the show. I'm Kelly McDonald with Ramya Muthan. So, uh, here's the deal. I really liked the fact that Billy made us think today. Um, it really, mm-hmm. you know, Ramya, we all have, and it is, it's just amazing what we all depict because what we're used to um and it's hard to fight what you know what you're comfortable with but yet also recognizing times change and it's very interesting sometimes when we're very you know hey we're comfortable with change other times it really does get us when we make a change in tradition or what we're really comfortable because it's like the comfort food thing right it's what you know it's comfortable to you and sometimes you stop and say why why, yeah. why do we mess with yeah. this? Why, this is fine the way that, why do we have to be in here? And and so I do understand, but I also understand change and depending what's going on. But there are sometimes certain changes harder than others. Of course there is. And for everybody who grew up with anything, which is all of us, right? We have that. We have this point of, no, but I want to go back to what I know. I want it. Like we had this conversation you know, a couple minutes ago with Greg David, right? The favorite TV shows that make us feel cozy and comfy. And Santa is that for a lot of us, grownups, kids, whoever. But I mean, the inevitable is that we're changing. The world is changing. We are becoming more inclusive, more diverse, more appreciative of uh, takes, right? Like different takes and different representations. So the argument is not whether that's happening because we know that's happening. Um, it's more that, you know, how okay are we with it? And if we can, despite our own challenges uh, and or reasons to stick to what we know, um, are we okay with others being happy with a diverse Santa? Mm-hmm. I think, I think too, it gets challenging because there's other viewpoints that we'd have. And I, I really do think that when we are confusing people, um, we don't have to, you know, Billy can choose that he likes things the way traditionally. I do concern myself on how much we're we're saying one thing and then saying to children, oh, no, but in this case, uh, or putting it in a place where you're going to have to then explain. And, and again, you yep. simply explain by, well, and, and I know for myself, 
These are Santa's helpers. I was raised always believing that or understanding, man, Santa can't be everywhere at the same time. Yep. He gets around fast mm-hmm. for sure, but he can't be everywhere at any given time. So for me to have the different, and we always have, um, I remember as a kid, I had the chance to meet Ronald McDonald. And the Ronald McDonald yeah. that I met didn't sound at all like the Ronald McDonald on the TV commercial. And right. I remember being incredibly distraught going home and my family trying to assure me that was Ronald McDonald. But me saying, yeah, but he doesn't sound like that. This guy sounded like this and I'm Ronald. You know, like, and I, what the heck? That's not Ronald McDonald. So obviously those conversations happen with children anyway, because yep. we see Santa on, on, on Rudolph and say, hey, man, that's not the fellow. And I did the same thing with Santa Claus because I wanted to hear Paul Freeze, who did the voice of many of the Santas in the cartoons. I, I wanted that voice in person. Mm-hmm. And hey, man, Santa mm-hmm. doesn't sound like him, but I still better tell him what I want because he must be a helper yeah. who will get the word to Santa. So yeah. that's kind of the way I, see, I, I felt it. And for me, and I think in that position, we have to understand there's always been some kind of change and not right. necessarily the stereotypical Santa in that cartoon. Okay. And, and I, I think we've always coped with that. And I, I really think you make a good point here, Kels, about already understanding that Santa is not one Santa everywhere, right? Santa on TV is not the Santa in real life is not the Santa in this other, I don't know, commercial or whatever at the toy store. Um, but that means the onus kind of falls on the parents, right? The caregivers, the people who these kids are having conversations with to, if you're going to talk about Santa, have the conversations in a very inclusive way. And however your parents did it, you know, that makes a big difference. Because that's why I asked the question, like, is Santa going to live on? Like Halloween, are we going to shatter Santa because we can't get over ourselves, our, you know, the changes that are happening in the world and who we believe Santa's got to be? So... You know, the way that we handle it as as parents, as older people, uh, that makes a difference on our kids. It it really does make a difference, Ramya. Yeah. It, it really yeah. does. Um, and, yeah. and I think that we want what we want and we know that this is a very magical time of the year. Yes, it is. Let's switch gears and talk about some other magical things that are going on. There is a a wonderful presentation happening. It's by DanceWorks, and they're presenting Inward, a unique dance experience that depicts the complex, contradictory nature of human emotions. Wow, how timely. Through a performance interweaving two seemingly contradictory styles of dance, hip-hop, and contemporary. The goal is to challenge our biases about perceiving others' experiences. And to talk more about this, we're going to chat with the creator, Alexandra Spicy Landay. Alexandra, thank you for coming on Kelly and Company. Hi. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're very excited to chat about this performance. So, Alexandra, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your career, before we get into the performance? So, hi guys. I'm very excited to be with you. I am uh, I'm from Montreal, raised in, raised in Montreal, originally from Haiti. Came here in 76 years ago. I have a career as a choreographer and artistic director. I have been dancing mostly as a hip-hop dancer, street dancer for almost all my life. But I would say mm-hmm. for the last 15 years has been a more a professionally 
on the, the Montreal uh, and the Canadian dance scene about 15 years now. And uh, I was a, a independent choreographer. And in 2015, I started, uh, founded my company called uh, Ebenso Dance Company. And we've been uh, creating work ever since. Uh, and now inward, the piece that we're presenting for dance work, uh, we, we created in 2019. So this is the second creation for us as a company. Okay. Can you tell us about the inspiration, Alexandra, for this show um, to create it, particularly in what, what you were thinking? Well, first of all, I was really thinking, it's really funny because this show talks about isolations and group isolations and being isolated, surrounded with people. And it talks a lot about that and the conflict of being together with other people, right? And otherness and so there's a lot of topics, but everything surrounds like is around isolation. But it's funny because the show was created way before the pandemic. But uh. <laughs> it really, really, there's a lot of images and moments that we feel connected to what happened, you know, for the past two, three years, what we've been going through around the world. So it's really, really strange at the same time. But the show was created before that. So... Mm-hmm. Um, one of the inspiration was Jean-Paul Sartre, uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, No Exit, theater piece. That text was really um, compelling to me, and I really inspired the work. I was really interest, interested in uh, how uh, hell is other people, and that's really one of the big inspirations for the piece. That's incredible. I'm really curious about mm-hmm. what we're uh, going to experience in this show. What are some highlights you can mention? Well, there are. Uh, it's a very peculiar, like it's very particular, a very um, intense physical kind of work. It's very okay. inspired by the hip hop uh, culture. So hip hop culture, but also lots of hip hop dance kind of theatrical as well without having a um, kind of a, um, a story. It's not really a storytelling, but there's there's some drama, dramaturgy in there that's really like very specific to theater or, you know, play. Um, but uh, like you were mentioning earlier, it's not, it's specifically hip hop, but it gives a sense of contemporary. You feel the contemporary because we're breaking some of the codes of hip hop. So to me, okay. it doesn't feel like a contemporary piece, but because we're breaking some of the codes, which means we're in a theater space, we're not, it's not necessarily frontal, all of these elements that we usually um, experience when we are in a street or a hip-hop performance are broken. So this is what makes it feel like contemporary. But for wow. me, it's more like an everyday. That it's like living a day. Right. It's just all around because it's we're going through a day with these dancers. Okay, A moment in their lives. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and with Mm -hmm. that, with that being said, how will the show help us confront our own biases? Would you say how would we how will this show make us do that? Well, it's very interesting because some images touch more depending on what 
from what perspective you're looking at the show, like your perspective or your own vision of the world, of, of, of society, you're going to come at it very differently. The images or the stories that you make up in your mind is, are going to be your own, but it's really related to your own experience, some experiences. So sometimes some images are stronger for some than others. Um, but I think definitely um, the feeling of isolations and also of a group that's trapped in a space together mm-hmm. and having to deal with each other. So this is, the, I think, the, the strongest image and the strongest feeling that we have when we watch the show. I love that. Um, I want to spend some time talking about dance works and how they diverse or value diversity. Can you explain that for us? Well, first of all, Mimi and I, who's Mimi is the presenter for dance work, uh, Mimi Beck, we have known each other for almost 15 years now, if not more. Um, she was, she came to my very, very first presentation, Retrospect, back in 2008 at the Mai in Montreal. So she's been following my work for all this time. And, um, you know, there's, there's been other works, but, you know, I, I, I didn't, like, present work for a while in, in between those those works. But um, I think that Mimi is just very curious and super open-minded and has, uh, has a very good eye into what, what, is, what does it mean to create art today? What is performing arts? Right. What, right. Who does it include? And I think that she has a very global vision and a very open vision that includes all kinds of work and, you know, interesting work. So mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. what I think. I think she just is very open. And I think being open means being uh, inclusive. And it happens yeah. just naturally. And, and it happens naturally and automatically because she is, that's, that's her vision, right? So, and yeah, and, and we've been really in touch for all this time. So this is, uh, this is the way that this festival, this, this uh, dance uh, presenter approaches artists and work. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Well, this is a very exciting mm-hmm. production, and uh, you described mm-hmm. it so eloquently. Thank you so much for joining us, and all the mm-hmm. best. Thank you so much for having me. Hope we can see you there. Okay. Take care. We were speaking with dancer and choreographer Alexandra Spicy Alande, and we we're talking about Inward, the unique dance experience taking place this Friday and Saturday, that's December 2nd and 3rd, at the Harborfront Centre Theatre in Toronto, if you get a chance to check it out. Very, very diverse project, uh, diverse in uh, so many different ways. Uh, so really interesting, and uh, thank you very much for joining us today on the program. Uh, coming up in just a moment, Mary Mamalidi is going to bring us our holiday foodie gift guide packed with suggestions of the savory, sweet, spicy, and drink variety. We'll have that conversation starting in two minutes.
Our friends from the Tripping on Air podcast, well, they're getting into the holiday spirit, folks, in a big way. They're giving away a ton of prizes as part of the uh, 2022 MS Holiday Gift Guide. Greg David gave us a great rundown on them the other day on the program, some of them anyway. But you want to know more? Go to ami.ca slash TOA contest to review the list of prizes, folks, that are over there, and enter for your chance to win. The contest closes 9 p.m., so hurry. Please, one set of entries to, uh, each day, folks, and the winners will be contacted via email and listed on the Tripping On Air Instagram page. Well, folks, it's that time. Every year we look forward to it. Ramya Muthan, Kelly McDonald, host of the show. Mary Mamaliti today brings us her holiday uh, holiday foodie gift guide packed with suggestions of mm, the savory, sweet, spicy, and drink variety. So let's uh, take a listen and get into this discussion with Mary Mamaliti. Every other Wednesday, we're joined by Mary Mamaliti of KitchenConfession.com. And today, Mary, we're covering very important stuff here because today you're sharing your 2022 gift guide, especially for that foodie in your life. And sometimes that foodie is us. So this might be a self-gift guide, just saying. No, you're absolutely right with that. I, I thought of myself. I'm sorry to say, but I thought of myself when I was creating this. <laughs> Thank you. Great validation. So it's hard, though. It can be hard. I mean, us foodies, we like to think we're easy to please and we'll eat anything, but it could be hard finding that perfect gift for the foodie in your life. So how do we do it? It could be because food is, I mean, you know this, we're always up to trying anything, um, mm-hmm. at least once. But to kind of nail that perfect foodie gift, I made it a little easier with a few suggestions of some of my favorite. So I want to start with a delicious basket from Italy. So you can't fly to Italy, yeah, bring Italy home instead. Right? So the trip to Italy gift box, it features delicious Italian goods like pasta, olive oil, jam, cookies, so much more. Two different sizes. You get a large one, you can get a small one. There are a ton of gift boxes to choose from there so if you want to make your way in you can select it yourself or you can order online and they'll deliver this across country so the the theme throughout my list is that you can either go in store or you have the option um, with most of them it's just to purchase it online I love online shopping and I love sending a gift to someone through the mail Um, I just think it's that element of surprise right I like it that's one of the biggest, um, best parts about receiving a gift bag or a gift basket or something like that, that it came through the mail. It's just there. So fun. Right? That's like even my mm-hmm. Amazon packages come. It's like Christmas every single month. <laughs> <laughs> Frank doesn't That's think right. so, but I love it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So and then we got the snack box. So the ultimate snack box. You're a snacker. This one's for you. This is from Baskets, Inc. So it's B-A-S-K-I-T-S, Baskets, Inc. And they have a really special sleigh gift basket. It's filled with gourmet goodies. Um, it, it's, it's perfect for someone who's got like a little bit of that sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I make no bones about it. I always tell you, I, I have a very bad sweet tooth. Um, so this box is right up my alley. It's in the shape of a wooden sleigh, handcrafted. Uh, you can expect treats, maybe like gingerbread, uh, 
chocolate, maple crunch shortbread, a little almond cookie, some salted caramel truffles, even a keepsake wooden nutcracker, so much more. <laughs> and again, you can order this right online at Baskets Inc. David's Tea. I love this. Remy, do I you, do love Baskets right? Inc, by the way. Shout out. And I love David's Tea. So let's keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so David's Tea, one of my favorites. Every year they come up with something. So this year, David's Tea has a holiday wheel. And so this is when you can't pick just one. And I like to try a little bit of everything. So you want to try them all. David's Tea right. has a special holiday wheel. It features the best-selling festive teas. So you can expect things like Candy Cane Crush, Cinnamon Rooibos, Cinnamon Rooibos Chai. hope I said that right. Mm. <laughs> I tend to butcher certain names, but I but everyone kind of catches on and knows what I'm ordering. Yep. Hazelnut chocolate, orange spice, peppermint amour. <laughs> like that one? Yeah. Anyway, I thought I'd throw that in. Right? All of these are good. Pa- and I think this one's a cute name, Pomegrateful. Oh, so I, you know what? So I've tried that one. It's one of my favorite good. David's teas. Just saying. Isn't it if anybody so wants good? to get the wheel. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's delicious. It's got about 36 batches in total. And I think it's three of each. So okay. you get to try you get to have three cups of that. Moving on, really want to show someone that you care. Ramya, you with me here? A massive box of finest cheeses. Absolutely. So a, right? Cheese, 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 and more cheese. So Nibble, N-I-B-B-L, cheese gift boxes, offers five careful selected cheeses, They've got fruity spreads, artisanal crackers, and it apparently serves six to seven people. I say apparently because I think you and I together can probably crush this. <laughs> yeah, um, 100%. So, right? <laughs> this is not going to so, make it through the holidays, just saying. Right. Yeah, no. I would add a bit of a time. Nibble on it. Right? Yeah, so yeah. you can get that on the Nibble website. Um, who am I kidding? It would be just fistfuls of cheese happening. <laughs> And they're already giving you the assortment of crackers and all that? Forget it. (laughs) It's all done. It's done. Um, For the chocolate lover, I like like this one specifically because it's local. And so this is chocolate at Raven Rising. So it uses traditional Indigenous ingredients that are sourced by Indigenous people and businesses. And a portion of the proceeds are donated to various societies and residential school organizations. So Raven Rising... Although they're located in Sudbury, but again, you can get it online. They ship nationally. nationally. Um, so order online at ravenrising.ca. Love that one too. Um, Wine Club Canada. Um, I just want to say right, I'm really, yeah. really loving the local vibe. I mean, not all of these are yeah. local to Ontario, which is where you and I are based, but mm-hmm. uh, they're still, you know, Canadian, um, supportive. Yeah. And this last one with the uh, proceeds helping out a cause is also huge. I mean, I always try to incorporate something where you give back because to me, yeah. that's what's important to me. Right. Especially and I around the we holidays. all do a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Next, so we've had our cheese. We have chocolate. Mm -hmm. We've got to wash it all down with something. We've got Wine Club Canada. (laughs) So they offer wine memberships for that wine lover or anyone who loves wine or enjoys having a, you know, a little glass of wine here now and then. So the process, pretty simple. It's customizable with the options. You can choose two, three, six, or 12 bottles. Send them a month to a person. 
Um, and what's the beauty about this is you don't have to do, it's subscription-based. So it's not like those oh. advent calendars that you've been hearing about. This is a subscription. And you can choose whether you want to send it to them just for the one month, maybe three months, maybe a year. It's completely up to you. Bottles are completely customizable as to what you want in the gift. And then where you can buy it, wineclub.ca. Check that out. Hmm. This one's pretty cool too. Momofuku. Momofuku has a noodle gift bundle. So you can spice up that foodies cooking game with a little Momofuku Goods Home Essentials pack. So this pack includes soy and scallion noodles, spicy soy noodles. I love this one. Tigni. <laughs> I knew I was going to butcher it right off the top. Tingly, chili, wavy noodles. Say that three times quickly. <laughs> I um, love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so many more. I mean, there are so many uh, hot honey one. There are so many delicious um, options here. And they but give you the seasonings too? That, yeah, everything, everything. So what I want to mention though, it's only available for a limited time during the holiday season. And what I recommend for this one is sign up for the notifications. So this one, when the pack is released and it's available, you'll get first uh, dibs on it. And you can go to canadashop.com momofuku.com oh I love it Remember that, hot chocolate yeah, that one is super unique yeah yeah yeah, yeah hot chocolate it? bombs okay remember the hot chocolate bombs so those were a huge thing or at least I thought they were t- part of the past well they're not they still are mm-hmm. around they're still popular and the treat bombs they offer a number of sweet drink melt they call them so like hot chocolate of course um, bubbly, which is for alcoholic, alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks, milk teas, traditional tea. This one here, again, place your order, get a free personal message with every single one. And you can order that online at uh, the Treat Bombs website. People are getting so creative okay. on what to gift and what to include in gift ideas. Yeah. And I love that they're offering so many more options online because, yep. I mean, being low vision, Rami, you can relate to this. I mean, getting always good having to get out and to, you oh. know, work our way through the crowds. To me, it's it's just it's more anxiety inducing than anything. Absolutely. And honestly, ever since we just stopped going to malls around the pandemic, it feels like way more of a job getting to a mall now. Like the idea of stepping into a mall for me around the holiday rush, it's like, forget it. I'm, I'm good. I'm doing everything online. Well, I know. I have to give myself a pep talk. Literally. Yeah. And you got this. And I'm literally hyping my, I'm my own hype girl for this. And it's only mm-hmm. to go into a, a mall. I can't stand it. Um, exactly. And I feel awful saying that because I love shopping. But it's right. just the whole cluster of people. And because I'm central vision, not being able to maneuver my way through. Um, with ease yeah. is just a lot. Is just a lot. It's a lot. So I love that these are all online. Whiskey True. lover. Do you know anyone that's a whiskey lover? <clears throat> Matt Agnew. But yeah. yes, not myself, but <laughs> others. <laughs> we know someone. <laughs> we know somebody. <laughs> someone. So this gift would be perfect for the whiskey lover. Class up any home bar with this. It's a bold single malt whiskey. It's made by two brewers in the Yukon. So I love this. And again, oh, you can get this cool. at twobrewerswhiskey.com. Pretty All cool, right. right? Yeah, I love Still it. Still local here in Canada. 
Mm-hmm. Different localities being prairies, shouted out here. Yeah, yeah. And then fresh from the prairies, it's a raw white honey. So it's luxuriously smooth. It's creamy. And this is so good. I don't know if you've ever just had like a spoonful of honey. Especially if you've got a sore uh, throat. Ever? That's the only way I know how to use right? honey. <laughs> just don't don't share <laughs> so my jar of honey. That's all I'm saying. So, but this one and this one, you got to try this because it's best enjoyed by the spoonful or another one. Spread it on some sourdough toast. Mm-hmm. So good. Wendell Estates oh, Honey. Yes. The, uh, yeah, Wendell Estates has this. So WendellEstates.ca and it's Wendell Estates Honey Creamed Raw Prairie Honey. Okay. Italian food lover. Last but not least, for anyone that is on your list that wants to learn a little bit of Italian food, um, wants something really quick and easy, aside from going to <clears throat> kitchenconfession.com, mm-hmm. um, there is absolutely one person that I absolutely adore, and it's Jamie Oliver. And Jamie Oliver, he ha- Jamie, if you're listening, we need to do something together. Just saying, throwing it out there into the universe. Jamie Oliver, his latest, his cookbook featuring a mix of simple everyday dishes, slow cooking, Italian meals, and it's called Jamie Cooks Italy. And that you can get anywhere, Chapters Indigo, wherever you get your books. Yeah. Okay, that's great. I don't know if it's available, full disclosure, as an audiobook, but I oh, mean, yeah. the ebooks are probably accessible anyways if it's on Kindle and everything. So that's great. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of Jamie Oliver. Um so that's amazing. Hey, Mary, this is a fantastic, like oh. such a variety and so much stuff. Um, really quickly, before we got to get going, do you want to wrap up with any more items uh, or go to a recipe? I could wrap up with items. I could go to a recipe, but I wanted to mention one quick thing. When you mentioned about if it's yep. on Audible, um, what I, I use AI, that app, the AI app. I've seen, seen AI, AI. Yes. <laughs> It wasn't coming out. I knew if I said it three times, it would come to me. Seeing AI. And that's what I use to actually read my cookbooks. If I need a little more description and I can't make through. Yeah. I just mentioned that. That's right. Yeah. Two more items quickly. Yeti travel mug. I have many of them. I actually walk around my house with them because they've got a lid. They keep your drinks nice, either cool or warm. And it lasts forever because I take forever to drink my tea or coffee. Yes. Um, So a Yeti mug. And I like that it has a lid because I tend to walk around with it. Um, so mm. for me, I'm not spilling anywhere. And they come in like 20-ounce ramblers. There's, there's so many, um, yeah. which I absolutely love. I actually converted Frank. He walks around now with them. <laughs> <laughs> then there's Bagu. This is a reusable shopper tote. It's made um, of ripstop nylon. It's got thick handles. It just, it holds so much. It's a perfect size. I think it holds about up to 50 pounds, um, which is really good. So it's recyclable, reusable, fashionable. Fashionable. Amazing. So let's get to a recipe before we go, because this is a good hostess gift we have. Yeah, definitely. Gingerbread, granola, easy to make. Put it in a cute little jar, top it with a little gift tag. Done. It takes 10 minutes to prep, 20 minutes cook time. In 30 minutes, you are completely done with it. Three cups of rolled oat, one cup whole almonds, roughly chopped, quarter cup flax seeds. Got to get your flax seed in there. Quarter cup pumpkin seeds, quarter 
teaspoon of fine sea salt in and around. You taste that, judge. One teaspoon cinnamon, half teaspoon ground ginger, quarter teaspoon nutmeg. If you have, sometimes I actually cheat and I use a little bit of that pumpkin spice seasoning. Mm-hmm. Put that in here because it's got all these different spices if you don't want to buy every single one separately. Uh, a teaspoon of ground cloves. Then you got some pure maple syrup. You've got to bring the Canadiana in there. Um, you can use avocado oil, grapeseed oil, about a quarter cup of that. Any neutral oil will work. Three tablespoons of molasses, th- molasses, three teaspoons of vanilla. Preheat your oven to 350, line a baking sheet with parchment paper, place everything in your bowl, chop up your almonds because you want them a little more bite-sized, a little chopped up, get a little bite of almond with everything. Microwave your honey, oil, vanilla, salt. You want to get that all together into this beautiful liquid, pour it over top, mix it up, pop it into the oven. You're going to bake that for 20 to 22 minutes and you're done. Boom. That's it. We're not even going to wait for that to cool down. Oh, Oh, no. Mary. I do the the initial taste. Yeah, of course. I was going to say, eat half, take half to your friends. Thank you so much, Mary. We got to run, but appreciate this amazing gift guide that people can check out uh, starting now because you can order everything online. Appreciate it. We'll chat with you in a couple weeks. Definitely. Happy shopping. Thank you. Mary Mamaliti of kitchenconfession.com. Also, the episode of the latest Kitchen Confession podcast is out today. So check it out on your favorite podcast platform. Mm, What a holiday foodie gift guide. Thank you, Mary. So much in there. Up next, ladies and gentlemen, as we step aside for a moment, we'll be back to wrap up this program and tell you what's coming up tomorrow on Now with Dave Brown. Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. A great show filled with all sorts of content today. You can go back and check it out via the Kelly and Company podcast. Subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Listen to the show in segment form or the complete show where we toss on an audio vanity card at the end. Also, folks, remember, we'd love it if you took some time and gave us a rating and review. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan, co-host of the program. Ramya, any particular segment you want to wave people over to take another listen? Yes, Ryan Delahunty talked about three books that you can purchase, all very different from each other, a joke book, a um, a memoir, a cookbook. And these are all written by people with disabilities in Atlantic Canada and just absolutely loved it. Loved the books, loved the background on the people who wrote them. And if you're still looking for that, as he said, stocking stuffer or last minute gift, this is a wonderful way to go. Grant had some really interesting stuff today on the health report. And I, and I know I'm that person who always says, oh, it's all these heavy things in health. I don't want to hear it. Um, it's just reminders. But really wonderful discussion about water that we had in there and also getting working out when you're a little angry and how that kind of works, how our body works through that process. Water being an interesting topic because I've always been a big fan of water. And I recall the day my father said, I want to make a deal with you. I want you to take a week and I want you to drink some water every day. And by the end of that week, I was sold on it. And before that, I was, why would someone do that? 
You know, that was the big question. Why would anyone want to do that, Dad? There's, especially when there's a nice case of Coke sitting up there. Uh, so I really enjoyed our the information that the article that Grant featured brought to us. It was it was fascinating. I'd like to welcome in Mr. Paul Daniel. He's one of the producers over there now at Dave Brown. That program you can tune into at 9 a.m. in the morning on AMI-tv. Paulie D., what is on that program tomorrow that we should know about? You said fascinating. You should go with that. Fascinating. Go in the connection ah. to me. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. The fascinating character, Polly D. <laughs> you know, well, I'm going to try. Like a superhero. Live, I'm going to try and minimize a Polly D thing. I have this Are awful, you? Well, yeah, the affiliation to that to an awful reality program still haunts me. But be that as it may, on tomorrow's show, Blaine Deutscher, our community reporter in Regions of Saskatchewan, will tell us about the upcoming fourth annual Bushwhacker Staff Holiday Market. And that alone, the title alone, makes you want to go. Bushwhacker. <laughs> yeah, Sounds that cool. is pretty good. That's where, <laughs> that's where the fascinating Paul D that's where the, will That's appear. where the mess in Christmas comes from. That's what I'm looking forward to. Stephen Scott from Double Tap Cano will tell us about changes coming to the IRA Visual Interpreter Service. And Don Dickinson will give us a preview of McLean's Magazine with a story about the legendary Leonard Cohen and a Leonard Cohen and a new exhibit of photos, notebooks, and intimate archi- archival material revealing an unseen side of this Canadian artist. Fighting crime at the Bushwhacker Festival is the fascinating Polly. Sorry, Paul. That's D. okay, Kelly Mack. Kelly, uh, Kelly Mack and Polly D. That's something really bad <laughs> rap duo. That's just gonna or or something bad for for dinner. I mean, oh, Kelly Mack and Polly D. It. Oh, forget a it. Law, a corrupt law firm, a corrupt legal firm. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, thank you kindly. Take care, Kelly. Paul joins us to tell us a little bit of what's coming up on Now at Day Brown program on AMI-tv, 9 a.m. in the morning. If you get some time, folks, check them out. If not, tomorrow, follow the podcast. You can subscribe using your favorite podcatcher. Well, Ramya, we'll take a pause and be back tomorrow uh, on the program, tomorrow being your last day with the show, uh, before we uh, head to the TV medium as well. Wow, that's wild to think about. But yes, Kels, I will be here tomorrow. We'll chat. Okay, and on the program, Fern Lullum's going to be with us too, and she's going to share the story of John McFall, a man whose ambitions are out of this world. Also on the roundtable with us tomorrow will be Sylvie Fiquette, AMI Content Development Specialist in Vancouver. Awesome to have her joining us again on the roundtable. And Michael Fair will be giving us his view of Evidence 111, where you can play as Chief Inspector Alice Wells in the in a debut interactive audio game so we have that for you to learn all about when michael joins us at the top of the program tomorrow hopefully you will as well we start things off 2 p.m eastern right here on ami audio fedora's off to you folks Well, I'm very excited because today I get to begin work on one of my favorite projects of the year, and that would be the annual Kelly and Company Christmas Kitchen Party. We have received so many thoughtful and fun entries for this year's show from AMI staff and Kelly and Company contributors and just friends of the show, and I'm really looking forward to getting started on editing this year's show. I always get to go through and make each entry just like a little extra special with uh, some music and some sound design and, and things like that. 
One of my favorite examples actually was last year's Artist Corner segment where uh, we had music submissions from a bunch of people, but because of pandemic restrictions, we weren't able to experience it live. So through the magic of editing, I was able to make it feel like we were all in uh, a live venue together experiencing the, uh, the music performances from, from all of our friends here on Kelly and Company. It's really a very fun project, and I think it's, it's one of the things that really gets me in uh, the spirit of the season for Christmas. For some people, their lights come out as of November 1st, right after Halloween. And I'll be honest, our Christmas tree does go up in our house pretty early. Uh, but for me, working on this show is where it really starts to feel like the Christmas season. So I can't wait to share that with all of you guys. And I want to send out a very special extra thank you to everyone who has participated in this year's show. Well, I got you here. I do want to remind everybody that Kelly and Company is going to be on hiatus in the weeks leading up to the Christmas show while we do tests for the launch of our new TV show, Kelly and Rumya. But do mark the 23rd, December 23rd, on your calendar because you're not going to want to miss this year's Kelly and Company Christmas Kitchen Party. <laughs> 